<laughs> All right, we're going. Sick. What's up, guys? What up? So hey, today we have doing? Evan Kohotek on the podcast, yep. and we also have Gabe back from yesterday. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. I think Gabe's going to be kind of a co-host for this from now on, and... A little co-pilot. We'll see about that. We'll, we'll work that into the we'll, contract. We'll see about that. It might be a little hard to do, because we're not living together, so... Um, well, we share a bed, but that's a different story. You guys got to get a room together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Evan, but, what's up, man? Yeah, today we got Evan. What up, guys? It's Evan. Evan Kohotek. Maybe uh, give a little introduction about yourself. Well, I mean, what, what do you want to know? Five I mean, W's, kind of, who, kind what, of a, when, where, why. Kind of a weird person, so like... Why do you think you're weird? Well, I think I'm a little unordinary for most people. Okay. But... So, just a little background. Um, Evan went to high school with all of us. Yep. yep. Um, we all went to Valley Center. Yep. Uh, besides that, I, I honestly don't know too much about you. I haven't stayed in the loop. I know you and Cole are pretty close. Um, but what's... Uh, so Okay, so like... Why are From you on Valley Center? What has been going on? Well, I got I got into ultra running probably five months ago. I did my first ultra marathon. Okay, and that I, just like yeah, I heard that's you did. crazy. That was four months ago, and it just like uh, completely it completely changed my life for sure. Really, like I became a completely different person after that after that run. I just went so deep inside of like my mind to complete the objective that it like. I was not the same person. I know you from were, that morning. To you that were night. I was a completely different person. Yeah, that's crazy. You were telling me about your fifty mile run, right? Yeah. And how it was just a battle with yourself, and you went through this kind of hallucinogenic state mm-hmm. at mile thirty. Yeah, and like twenty six. Twenty six. Yeah. Yeah. That that's insane. What got you into that? Um, what got me into running? Well, I was in running in high school, but I've tried to start. So this is, this is kind of where it started. Like I started, I've started a lot of businesses in my life and I've fucked up a lot of businesses in my life. Like I've messed up a lot and I feel like my escape from business was always running. Like whenever I was working on my business and I would have a super bad day or something like that, I would just go run like 12 miles or something because I wasn't being productive in my business. So mm-hmm. it was just always like an escape for me. Um, and it just kind of evolved. And I realized like, whoa, like I can kind of go pretty far with this and kind of do like a lot with just running alone and like endurance sports in general. And then I had a friend that was also doing ultra runs that that I met through through Choice Center, this like leadership program I did a while ago. And we we, we did the first... We did the 50 together, so he kind of got me into it. That's cool. Choice Center, I remember when you were going through that. What is Choice Center and how did you get there? Because I, I think the the results that you had from Choice Center were really fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like, it, it was good. My mom actually enrolled me into it because she was like, she was in it when I was, when I was like growing up. Um, and she was always like coaching and whatnot. And, and all it really is, is like a leadership development place to to develop yourself and build quality relationships with people um so it's pretty cool it's just like it's just a place to go to to develop and and find a new version of yourself um but i think i think the coolest thing that i got out of it was just kind of learning how to like network and build quality relationships yeah that's that's important too like yeah i feel like that's one thing that people nowadays don't really like value as much is like not only leadership but kind of just being able to like just have conversations and like get to know people 
And I don't know, networking is like one of those big things that people don't like understand the value of, at least personally, like I don't think I've gotten a job. Maybe the, the last job that I just got, every other job that I've had has been because I networked and I knew somebody who, and I was like, Hey, yeah. blah, I'm looking for a job. And they're like, Oh, you'd be perfect for this position. So I don't know. I feel like that's pretty much, that's like a huge thing. And people don't value that nowadays. They don't understand the importance of that. So that's, that's interesting sick, too. Sure. Cause I got two jobs out of college and I applied to about 150. Yeah. And the only two jobs I got were the ones people that you who, networked. who I knew. <laughs> yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's so true. But yeah. so choice center. So you learned a lot about emotional intelligence. Uh huh. How would you define emotional intelligence for someone who who's never heard of that term? In the end of the day, it's just having self-control because as human beings, we're all emotional creatures. And for me personally, I learned that like having control over my emotions and not making emotionally charged decisions on a daily basis yeah. is extremely important. Because if, if I was to allow my emotions to just take over my life, I'd be a mess. So what do you think about, let's say something's pissing you off in the day and you kind of have to kick in. What what are you telling yourself to kind of stay neutral and not kind of follow the emotion of anger? Well, I have a lot of quotes that I keep in mind. I'm a big follower of of Viktor Frankl. Okay. um, And also like stoicism and and stuff like that. Um, So there's like stuff like it's I also use quotes to get through races, too, when things get really hard. Like when I feel like I'm about to quit, like I literally use mental, I use words to get myself. What do you say to yourself? There's a lot of different stuff I say, but uh, a lot of stuff I like to tell myself is like that, which does not kill me, makes me stronger. Or like, um, like if I'm getting angry in the day, I'll just like calm myself down, breathe and like, just say like the human experience is entirely self-generated because I believe it is like, yeah, the human experience, like you create your own experience. No one else can tell you how to experience the world. It's almost like you're you're creating your own religion in some sense. Like in, in some way, a religion kind of gives you things to think about during the day. Uh, but I, I feel like almost what you're doing is you're giving yourself almost like artificial quotes to uh, tell yourself at certain moments, right? Like, yeah. You know, when you're super stressed, you tell yourself this thing. Yeah, or like think of a goal or something like that and realize like the bigger picture and things and how irrelevant like a small argument is, you know, like because it doesn't matter. Like in the big picture, momentum mori. Yeah, you heard that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. At the end, we're all doesn't matter because at the we're end, all we're, gonna all gonna die, yeah, we're, we're all gonna die. Yeah, we're all gonna die. We're all gonna die. Life's pretty damn short. Too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's funny that you mentioned uh, stoicism. That's actually pretty sick because um, I don't know. I feel like obviously we we don't really know each other that well, but um, that's actually something that like. I've kind of been looking into a lot too. Mm. And so, it's it's cool being able to like kind of detach yourself from um I guess like your natural instincts to like react to something mm-hmm. and have that like second guess and like kind of logically break down things and how you should be reacting. So yeah, I don't know, it's kinda of sick. What, yeah. how would you define stoicism? It's just like a way to think. It's okay. a way to view the world. Mental framework. Yeah, it's just like a perspective. Um, because there's a lot of different ways you could view the world. Like you could see the world as this big terrible place where everyone's super angry and mean to you and the world's against you and out to get you or you could see it as this beautiful place where you can go and build things and help people like yeah there's a lot of different ways to see the world how do you get into stoicism i just read i like ryan holiday a lot i don't know if you guys know ryan holiday but he has a lot of books like the obstacle is the way and like the daily stoic there's a lot of different stuff mm-hmm. oh i've heard of the the daily stoic is that a, also a podcast by any chance it is. Yeah, it it's is. also okay. a book. I think it's a podcast. I haven't watched a podcast. I just have his book. I read like one page out of the book every single day. Gotcha. It's like a new excerpt type thing. So, okay. So coming out of choice, um, 
I know that you got really comfortable kind of just going up to people and, and asking for what you want. Like, I, I think um, what I've noticed in you, I've, I've seen you over the years, it's almost like it, it eliminated a layer of fear of like social interaction, um, mm -hmm. talking to people. It, how, how would you, um, w would you agree with that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's like, um, like in choice center, like the biggest thing I got out of it was just dealing with like my own problems because it's so easy to have big problems in life. I'll speak for myself. It's easy for me to have big problems in life. And then like, just it's 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 comfortable to push it down to the side and forget about it um but then it manifests continuously and follows follows me around so like in choice center there's no there's no bullshit like you go and you handle your shit and you face the truth of yourself of who what type of person you are and you figure out who you want to be in the future and you execute and that's that's kind of what i got out of it so it was really just like the walking up to people because i'm in door-to-door -door sales so obviously like i talk to random people every single day and try to sell them stuff. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, it's like, uh, I think it comes from just being like comfortable with myself and that's just like the byproduct is just walking into people. So did you do, uh, both of those things like choice center and, and let's start running at the same time? No, no, I was, I was, I was a runner from, I was a runner in high school. Okay. So I ran oh, from I like, remember that. yeah, I did track like four years and then I did cross country one year, but, um, the the running was like a big big step forward for me when i did my first race mm -hmm. it's like a huge step forward yeah that's what uh cole and i were talking about that the other day how personally like i'm a terrible runner i'm i mean i never did like cross country or anything i did track but that mm -hmm. was like mean like short sprint stuff mm -hmm. um but i'll run now because i hate running mm. and it's like that one thing where it's like i'll force myself to do something that's challenging because i just can't stand like yeah. I don't know, I guess like being comfortable and being being uh complacent with like what's going on. So mm -hmm. I don't know, I, I like I like the fact that I'm not the only one that's kinda of seeing running from that own perspective. And I'm not saying that I found it like I was the one that discovered it, but yeah. it's good hearing like other people, especially ones that like I've kinda of never really like, got close with you. Uh -huh. Um it's good hearing like other people share that and I don't know, let's go running, that'd be sick. For sure. <laughs> yeah. You're gonna have to teach me how to run like 50 miles or something like that. That'd be sick. <laughs> you guys, there's nothing to learn. You just do it. Yeah. So, so you recently just ran, uh, what was it? hundred mile race. I attempted my first hundred mile race. Yeah. Okay. First of all, that's fucking insane. Yeah. Like <laughs> explain, explain that. What? Like, what about it? Why'd you sign up for it? How did it go? I just wanted to go to a new level and, uh, I wanted to take like my mind and my body to a new place. Um, and it was, it was tough because, the 50 miler I did, that was flat and that wasn't, that was at like 2000 feet of elevation. This race was like a qualifier for like the top 10 hardest racers in the world. So I kind of bit off a lot more than I could chew. Yeah. And I only made it 45 miles in this race because it was like, so it was at elevation and it was a lot. It was 8,000. It was 14,550 feet uphill. Jesus. Over a hundred miles. Only 45 miles. Oh, he yeah. says. Yeah. Well, I mean, out of a hundred miles, like my goal was a hundred, but, um, my goal is like four. <laughs> if I could run four miles in a day, dude, I'm eating chocolate and ice cream. I'm I'm rewarding myself. <laughs> so what were some of um, 
like what were some of the emotions that you felt when you were going through this race? Obviously, you've done some before, uh-huh. but um, I don't know. Is there like so, so? I've heard some of my buddies run like marathons and stuff, and they've mm-hmm. said as they get to each mile marker or different mile markers. I think like mile 18 is when you start like actually hating your life. And then mile uh-huh. 22 is when you really want to shoot yourself. And then mile 23 is easy because you only have 0.2 left or something, right? Uh-huh. Um, so what are some of the, like the mile markers, if you have any, or what are some of the emotions that you feel when you're running a race like this? That's a really good question. Cause um, I, I honestly just want to know, just, you know, I, I want to do this too, but well, c- coming up before the race, I was terrified. Like I don't, I never really sleep. I noticed before races and it really sucks because I ran for like 18 hours straight. So I didn't sleep the night before either. So it kind of sucked. Um, just the nerves or yeah, I get really nervous. Mm-hmm. Like I get like super, like I pace back and forth. I was like pacing in the hotel room. Like I couldn't sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of nerves that go into it. And, uh, but once it starts, they kind of all go away for me. Um, but as far as mile markers, like, I think it's completely different for every person because mm-hmm. every person is at, like, a different physical ability. Um, for me, I was fine up until, like, 31. Like, I was cruising. Oh, yeah. Just and <laughs> well, I, control. I just, <laughs> till mile 31. <laughs> Typical. Um, but, I, well, I trained a lot. So, like, I've okay. conditioned my body a lot. But um, I got altitude sickness at mile 31. And what happened was... Uh, I started, like, I blacked out. I, I had to sit down, lay up against a tree. I blacked out a little bit. It was weird. Were you at, like, a med tent, or? No, I wasn't. I was in the middle of the woods. And <laughs> I, I just passed a med, a medical uh, aid station. Um, And I, like, laid up against a tree, and I was super nauseous. I couldn't breathe mm-hmm. very well because of the altitude. Um, But it just snuck up on me because I was fine the whole race. And then all of a sudden, I'm, like, up against a tree. Like, I can't even, like, stand. Mm-hmm. And I had to take like 45 minutes to just chill on the dirt and like take, I took a little nap. Um, and then I started like dry heaving and like normal altitude sickness stuff. This was all at mile 30. And then this is a funny story actually. And then, and then, uh, um, I got up, I tried to walk more cause the next aid station was at mile 35. Okay. So I was only four miles away from the next aid station and so I got up, I kept, I tried to walk a little more and then I just sat down again and then I actually gave up. Like I was like, I, this is fucking insane. Like I can't even see right now because I, I can't, I don't have air in my body. There's mm-hmm. no oxygen because the, the air was so thin. Um, and, and so I told someone to like, go get someone from the A station to come get me. And that was at like mile 32. And then I just laid there. No one ever even came. No one ever, <laughs> no one ever came. So I just laid there. I took a nap and then all of a sudden I got up and I was like, I was like, Oh, my body works again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you just need, you just need to turn it off and turn it back on. (laughs) You're good to go. So I like sat up. I was like, Oh, I'm not nauseous anymore. And then, and then I stood up. I was like, huh, my body works and I can see. And then, uh, and then I started jogging again. So I was good. And then same thing happened like two more miles and I was at like mile 34 same thing on the side of the trail, like dry heaving and stuff. Um, and then these two beautiful Mormon women. I swear to God, dude, no joke. Like these two really pretty well, women. Well, you were in Utah. I was in Utah. Yeah. These two. Home like, of the Mormon. They were like 30s and 40s. I hope they hear this podcast. I forgot their names. But um, they came and like pretty much like revived me like emotionally off the side of the trail. Like angels. 
I swear to God, dude, I looked up and I was like, wow. They were, like really, they were really adamant about getting me to the aid station dude, because the I was Lord just, will do great things. Were they also in the race? Yeah, they were in the race, but okay. they were in the they were in the 35 mile race. So gotcha. the next aid station was their finish line. Oh, so they were like, uh, so they were like, let's. Uh, they wanted to like help me get to the aid station. They were very adamant about. It. I was like, are you sure? Like, I'm gonna slow you guys down, all this stuff. And they were like, no, like let's let's go. So like I got up and like they pushed me. I walked a little bit. And I kept walking and walking, and then it just got better. Um, and then they got me to the aid station at mile 35, and then they left. I was going to get her number, but I bitched out. Because <laughs> she was like 40, and I think she had a husband. But, um, <laughs> um, And then it was something really cool happened. Like We were at the aid station. It was mile 35. It was like, it was like 5.45 p.m. The cutoff time was 6 p.m. So if I didn't make the aid station at 6 p.m., I would have been cut from the race. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting next to this guy, Robert. And Robert's super cool. He was having the exact same issues I was having. He got altitude sickness and he was dry heaving and throwing up. And um and I was just trying to like figure out with the medic like what was what was the worst thing that could happen if I like go into the next aid station because the next aid station was ten miles away mm. and it was uphill and it was five forty five PM so it was dark. So if I messed up and like I was on the side of the trail no one would be there to save me. It would probably wait till morning for someone to come get me. And he said, there's nothing really bad that could happen. All that would happen is you just can't move because you just, like, your body just shuts down. Um, but there's no, like, permanent damage. Um, so me and Robert, like, looked at each other, and I was like, I told him, like, I was like, I want to do this, but, like, I'm not doing it alone. And then and then we both looked at each other and just, like, smiled, and we're like, let's do this motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Robert's a random dude, right? Random dude. I just met him. That's sick. <laughs> and and we were like, let's do this motherfucker. And and we both got up, and we just trekked into the woods. And then it was it was just hell up until 45. Yeah. And then I was like, I can't. This is just insane. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. So go. I, I want to hear about your comments of... I'm not going to call it, let's call it disbelief where you're doing something and your first thought was, I mean, I, I, if you got, have you heard can't hurt me by David Goggins? Yeah. I read the so book. yeah, the, literally your, your story was like, I, I was like picturing me reading the book and being like, Oh my God, this is fucking exactly what this guy did. Yeah. Um, but he talks about when you're doing something like that and you get to the thought process of like, what the fuck am I doing? And like I'm not supposed to be here. I'm killing myself. This yeah. is not me. I'm not a runner. All this sort of stuff. Yeah. And it sounds exactly like that's where you got. Uh-huh. And what'd you do after that? You did another ten miles. That's insane. Yeah. Um. How do you feel that like thought process kind of affected you? And how did you get around it? Do you think it, you only got through it because you saw this other guy and you guys were both crazy and looked at each other and winked and were like, "Hey, let's fucking go be crazy together." Or wh- what else do you think came to came to that accomplishment? I think. Cause I, I, I threw in the towel at 31. I was like, cause I was sick. Mm-hmm. Like when you get out, have you ever had altitude sickness before? I don't know. I've not. You haven't? Well, basically what happens is your body has a lack of oxygen and obviously we need oxygen because we're humans and your body just starts to shut down. You get super nauseous. You dry heave and you throw up and you can't really see very well. Um, so that's altitude sickness. And... What happened was I gave up and I was laying in the dirt and I was like, this is insane. But then my body regenerated and I was like, I'm still committed to this goal. So if my body works, then I'm going. 
Um, and I think the thought process behind it was like, it was just so painful. Like I can't even describe in words how, how much physical pain it was, but it just like beats me down to like my core. And then that feeling of getting that second wind is like rejuvenating. It's like the most thrilling thing in my entire existence on this planet. Really? That second wind is like why I run because that feeling of I'm giving up to I'm still going is like life. I think it's just the best feeling in the world. Jesus. Well, it's just like pure evolution in yeah. my eyes. It's That's like crazy. literally what evolution is. Like it's like evolution happening. What do you mean by that? It's like because when when a human evolves, he's he's typically failing and learning. So it's like for me, I was I was like I'm done. I've failed at this race and then I learned my body still works, so I kept going and I was like holy shit, this thing still works. That's crazy. Like this human still works. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> So that's insane. That, that that's insane. That's that's an experiential. Honestly, like I'm 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 actually kind of jealous of that. Is <laughs> the fact that you were able to not only like push through that limit, but mm-hmm. see where your body can go. And that's only like that, that, that you like you were done after forty forty five or something. You said right thirty. Uh, well, I I stopped at forty five. Okay. Yeah. Because like, Robert, yeah, Robert was done at forty five, and I was like, I'm not. It was like it was insane. like twelve p.m. And we were in the middle of nowhere in the woods and it was night and there was still runners out there. That's insane. And we started at 5 a.m. that morning and and I was just like, if if Robert's done, if I don't have a partner, that like, because there's bears and mountain lions. Yeah. And there's a lot of shit out there that'll like just straight up kill you. What were you? What <laughs> so was you like want to have, have a partner. It's just a vest. Okay. So I have a running vest with two water things right here. Uh-huh. Super light and like tight to my skin. And then I have a bunch of protein bars in the back and an okay. inhaler for my asthma. What about um, like nutrition or anything? Did you, so you a lot of like electrolytes? Okay, so yeah. I take like salt chews and electrolytes, and I put it all in my water. Okay, and it makes sure my muscles because my legs were fine because I took so much uh-huh. electrolytes, like a lot, and my legs were good, but the altitude just killed me. Really? Yeah. What was your? Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but um, what was your like your training for this? I don't know. I'm honestly super intrigued on this. I want to go through an experience like this, even though it sounds like it sucks. Yeah. Where do you start? Um, yeah. How do I start? doing being evan how do i start being <laughs> evan um i would say sign up for a race three months from now and commit to it and then start running more and more and more every day all right that's it just it's, commit just commit commit and then make it happen. Simple. yeah after you commit everything gets really simple but before commitment everything's super complicated and it doesn't make sense hmm. but once you commit it just all falls into place so let's do a marathon you want to do a marathon i'll do it with you guys yeah you want to do a marathon? let's do a marathon what's the farthest you've ran well, yeah, that's actually interesting because we mentioned in the last podcast that, um, like in March, Evan called me and, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, yeah, hey, do you want to run 15 miles tonight? <laughs> I was like, I was like thinking of reasons why I couldn't go run 15 miles tonight, <laughs> and I I didn't really have a good reason, so I said, I don't really have a reason why not, why not? <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> So he, and obviously that's when I actually introduced you to kind of the, the thought dump and everything, which I'm now, I haven't even told you, I'm, I'm turning this into a, a little business, which we could go into later, but at like what, eight or 9 PM, 
Um, man, Evan was just breathing into the mic. <laughs> <laughs> He's getting into your story. God, this like is great. <laughs> eight or nine p.m. Oh, we yeah. went and we ran fifteen miles. And I mean, the I think the furthest I'd ever run before that day. I mean, had had <laughs> I'd to have been less than like four. I mean, maybe maybe three max, right? And I said I can't run fifteen miles. And you said it's all in your head. Yes, you can. And you you said you'll you know you'll get me through it. You said I'll coach you. You know I'm not gonna let you quit. I'll scream and at you, <laughs> belittle you, <laughs> and we call you a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and so we ran to the market, and I have to say, I mean, I don't think I I experienced what you experienced during the ultra marathon or anything, but um, I definitely, I, I think after mile eight or nine, mm. it, it it got to the point where I no longer felt like I was running. And I just felt like I was kind of surviving mm. and, and I just felt like my body and my mind was telling me to stop and everything was saying, what the, what the hell are you doing? And I almost had like this mission to get home. I mean, we had to have gotten home. We were out in the middle of nowhere. We couldn't have gotten saved. So you had to get home. Mm. And I, I have to say like, I really experienced a different mindset kind of maybe t like slightly what you experienced, but I don't think I, you know, got the full experience, but it was almost addicting. It was like, wow. Like I love that, that feeling of pushing through when your body says stop. Like it's, it's really interesting. Yeah. Seeing where you can go. It's cool. It's crazy to think how, this is going to get philosophical. It's crazy to think how you think you can't do something before you do it. And then, you know, you're like, not as bad. you're like, fuck it, let's go do a 100-mile race. And then, you know, not saying you didn't think that you could do 100 miles. I don't I don't know what your thought process going into that was. But, I mean, I know me where it's like one day, one day I was like, you know, what? I feel like going on a run. And I think the farthest that I've ran at that point is probably like six miles or five miles or something. This is a couple of years ago. And I was like, I'm just going to go on a run. I ran nine miles that day. I never trained or anything. And I was like, I don't know. I was just like feeling a groove. And I was literally just like, I'll just go on a run until I get tired. And then I'll call my buddy and he'll come pick me up. Um, I think it's crazy being able to like find those new paths and find what your body can actually achieve. Even though if you don't fucking know, like I've definitely haven't, I want to, I honestly like envy doing exactly what you did. I've tried to like talk friends into it. Um, yeah. But I think it's a little bit of my like stupidity and self-doubt where i'm like like oh i'll sign up for a 24 mile run like i'll do a marathon or whatever it is and it's like eh, yeah. i really don't i can't train i'm busy I, I i got school i got work i got all these things and i just never do it but i, I would almost prefer to do an, uh, a 50 mile than a 24 right away yeah i mean that's what you started with right i still well, i still haven't even ran a marathon before <laughs> evan went straight to the 50 mile i mean i feel like it's you're committing to something completely different than a, a marathon a marathon is almost like just a, a bucket list item that your average person will say i ran a marathon in my life but a 50 miler is like it's more of a you do it for yourself yeah yeah i think so too like i didn't really care what other people were doing going into it i just knew my life was pretty fucked up and i wanted to challenge myself and achieve something and yeah that's so it yeah. How do what? you feel like that has 
pushed? Because I want to hear, you said you were in business and stuff. You tried to start a bunch of businesses. Mm-hmm. How do you feel like that's kind of pushed that realm? Yeah, has it, has it crossed lot. over? Oh, for sure. Completely, bro. Like, you put it on your resume. I ran 45 miles. <laughs> no, I don't have a resume. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah. Um, uh, I, the way I've began to see it is like the more I run, the further I run, all I'm doing is expanding the potential in my mind. And that expansion can be transferred over into any aspect of my life. So, like, I can put that into relationships. I can put that into business because in the end of the day, it's just commitment. Like, a goal is a goal. It doesn't matter what area of of my life it's in. A goal is still a goal. And commitment is still commitment. So, if I commit to a business goal, then it's no different than committing to a 50-mile race. It's just get it done. Don't fucking, you know. Just get it out. done. Don't bitch out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Figure it the fuck out. Yeah, exactly. So why did you... Well, everybody we've interviewed on this podcast has kind of followed the traditional route of going to college. Mm. What made you not go to college? Was there a specific reason? I had no interest. Because when I was a kid, I had an egg business. Like, I had... In, sorry. A what business? What? I sold eggs door to door when I was nine. No way. Yeah, in Colorado, I had, I had chickens and I sold their eggs. How did you start that? Me and my sister, we saved up allowance from washing dishes. We bought chickens on the internet. We raised them. They came in a little box. We raised them because in Colorado we had like we had multiple no barns. No way. I harvested their eggs and I packaged them. I sold them, and she took care of the chickens. That's sick. Yeah, it was cool. Entrepreneur at age nine. Uh, I know. I was gonna say that's like the original entrepreneurship yeah. story. <laughs> yeah. So I did that and. Um, that was the reason I didn't go to college was because, and then I ran 50 miles. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I just feel that everyone that people should do what makes them happy. And I was not at all interested or happy in any classroom mm-hmm. because it was all theoretical and I wanted to experience things. I wanted, I, I've kind of had a, uh, I have like a, I still have it. I have like a, a taste for failure. I like to fail because that's how I learn. I don't learn from book. I do learn from books, but I take what I learn from books and then I go and I put it into practice and then I fail. And I just felt like that wasn't happening in college and I felt very stagnant. Um, and that's why I didn't go to college. So what'd you do right out of high school? What was your, what was your vision of your future graduating from high school? I didn't have one. I had no vision at all. I had, I worked at a surf shop and I was in a terrible relationship with a girl. It was just really bad. It sucked. Um, I I was kind of lost up until like I don't know. I mean, honestly, I feel like like I have a vision now. I have a very clear vision right now in my life. But up until like probably six or seven months ago, like I still felt that I was pretty kind of not really knowing what I was gonna do with my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did that ever concern you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't feel good to not know what I want. Like, it, it doesn't, you know, like, I think it's very important to know exactly what I want to do. Because if I don't, then there's nothing, like, wh- what do I do, you know? So. One thing that I was always super impressed by you is you moved to L.A. on your own, and you started your own uh, marketing consulting business. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about that? Because that, that always fascinated me because I was in, in college, mm-hmm. super dependent on my parents, even though I was kind of living an independent life, but mm-hmm. they were funding it. 
and getting those bank transfers, yeah, those Venmo getting transfers, those for Venmos. <laughs> and you were completely independent, mm. paying for your own stuff, making your own money at mm. age 18, what? 19. This was like 20. when I was in it, it was like 2021. 20, okay. It wasn't fully because I fucked up. Like the last two months, my mom had to support me because I was like, I totally blew my business up. Mm. So, so maybe start at the beginning. <laughs> what, what led you to move to LA and start this? And what was your, uh, your vision of this business? It was, and what was the business too? So it was just a marketing agency. Okay. So I helped coaches and consultants get clients with LinkedIn. Before that, it was like Facebook ads and stuff like that. Um, I had a couple clients. I had a good amount of clients right when I moved out. Actually, like I coached like a lot of, of, of people on how to get leads and like get business on LinkedIn. Um, so it was fun. Like I was, I was kind of making like all right money. I mean, not amazing, but like I was making money, enough money to pay bills and have extra money. Um, and I just, I don't know. I didn't, I feel like I fell into a, a deep like mental hole and I didn't really know what I wanted, and I just kind of like let go of my business, and I I didn't really like LA because it was so just constricting, and I felt like I didn't I, I kind of lost a sense of purpose completely. So my business was good like right when I moved out because there was so much urgency, and I was like, okay, shit, I gotta pay bills. Like, let's get some clients. So I got clients, and then I just got super comfortable, and like my mom supported me like the last like month or two because. I mean, I just messed up my business, my business. Like, I, I fucked up a couple of clients' businesses. I wasted their money. I wasted my money. <laughs> what went wrong? Uh, they just didn't get clients. So, like, when you sign gotcha. up to a marketing agency, the whole goal is for me to, like, bring them new business. Mm -hmm. And they pay me, like, $2,000 per month to do that. And I just they didn't get any business. So, it was just, like, <laughs> it was I, just, like. What do you, what did you do? I would say, like, to get yourself into that. Like, nobody is like, you know what? I'm just going to start a marketing company and teach people how to do this without experience. Did you have experience in it? Did you yeah. read books on it? Did you watch YouTube videos? What gave you, um, I guess, the idea of doing this? And what I, kind of started it? I think I just got sucked into all the ads on the internet. Because okay. everyone's always trying to teach you, like, hey, look at my new program on how to start, like, an e-commerce business or a marketing yeah. business or something like that. And I just got sucked into it, but I took it seriously, and I, like, I did it. And, uh, and it sounds like you were successful for the first couple months. For a little bit, yeah. yeah. But, That's sick. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, yeah, it was cool. But, um, yeah, I, it, it wasn't like, uh, and I didn't want to go to college, so I had to do something. I mean, I don't know. I don't even do that now. Right now, I sell solar. It's great, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, hit Evan up if you need solar. Yeah, if you want solar, let me know. shout out to all our homeowners. To plug your your pitch. <laughs> nah, I, I mean my pitch is funny, dude. Let's I, hear it. I love pitching people. So it's let's say you just knocked on my door. All right, I'll knock on your door, okay? Knock <clears> on my door. <laughs> Go away. Hey man, how's it going? You you must be cool. Yes. Cool man, I'm Evan. I'm with Ignite. Nice to meet you. Cool man. I, I'm Ignite in, is that the the weed company by Dan Bilzerian? No, no. I, I I'm in charge of following up on the net metering project alongside SDG&E. Okay. Just has to do with your guys' electricity. Um, I don't know if you're the one in charge of that or not. I am. Cool. So SDG&E actually swapped your meter like seven or eight years ago. I don't know if you were here for that or not. Were you? I was around. Yeah. So so that was phase one of net metering. I'm in charge of following up on phase two for this little area. So they've actually been sending you some packets in the mail. 
about that new billing program called Time of Use. Have you had a chance to read about that yet? Oh, no. yeah. I actually just got one of those. Did you really? Yeah. Honey, yeah. shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so it's pretty important. This is what's happening. I'll show you real quick. So, so right now, they have you guys on a tiered plan for power. Okay. And the way it works is the more power you use, the more the power costs. The problem is you're actually not making enough power here locally. That's why power prices are going up so fast because mm-hmm. like power is going from Arizona and Nevada. It's kind of why power prices are through the roof right now. Um, I'm not sure how conservative you guys are, though. Do you, do you know what your peak bill was this last year? Oh, we voted for Trump. We're pretty conservative. Oh, yeah, that's not what oh, I mean. Oh, oh, no, oh, energy okay. usage. Oh, energy, oh, God. Yeah, it. no, oh, I'm not very Sweetie, political. he means energy usage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Got it, my bad. Uh, $320. Oof. Yeah, yeah, they definitely, so, so that's why they sent me out here. Your, your home was actually marked as a high usage home. And um, stop right there. Is wait, that, yeah, were <laughs> we actually what? marked or <laughs> is that part of the pitch? You're fucking with me, Evan. <laughs> no, it's just what. Anytime someone says something, I just over dramatize it and say that's why I'm here, even if it's mm. not what. What well, is why I'm here? My energy bill is forty dollars. <laughs> Ooh, Ooh yeah, yeah, yeah your home is your home is marked as yeah. a low usage home. <laughs> Honey, can you check the food in the oven? <laughs> oh, you guys are making dinner. Oh, we cool. are. Yeah, yeah. I, I, my job is just to leave you the info. My job is just to leave you this packet of information. Um, if you have a corner table, I can write some notes on real quick. Um, and then I'll be out of your hair. So you try to get in the door. Oh yeah, I'll, yeah, exactly. That's the goal. Get in the door and do. What full percentage do people let you in the door? Probably one out of twenty. Okay. Maybe one out of fifteen. And then yeah. And then. Oh, am I still oh, pitching? Oh, oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. I said that am you I still pitching? How, how many people like buy on the spot? I did. I did a same day like two weeks ago, which is rare. That means like you do a full. It, it, usually with solar, there's like two to three meetings before someone signs. But if you do like. It's, some, it's called a same day. Mm-hmm. Then it's like you sit down, you do a full presentation, you get the proposal, and then you close them on the, on the same day, which is very rare. Um, but I've only done one. So, so, Gabe, do you think you're going to buy the solar? But we don't even sell solar. We do something called a PPA. So That's right. So we actually just sell electricity from the solar, and we oh, fund yeah. the solar project. Yeah, so, so, so the way you pay for the solar panels on the house, yes. and then you charge slightly less than the solar company than um than sdg and e yeah, for the power it's usually like 30 to 50 percent saving yeah it's like a lease almost right well it's, it's not a, it's a lot different because with a lease you get a lien on the property oh okay so with this there's like no lien there's no debt there's no it's just cheaper power yeah no yeah. oh yeah so if you want solar hit up evan yep i don't have social media but yeah hit me up somehow what would you say your your biggest takeaways or, or you know you said you failed in the marketing business, what were your biggest takeaways from that? Um, just have a purpose that is not about making money. Have like, like, cause it was just all so focused on money and I was so focused but, on making But how money. will I pay for my solar power? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. I, I interrupted you. Keep no, going. It's all good. Oh, um, rude. I think, <laughs> I think just, uh, to not focus so much on making money and focus more on helping people instead, like focus on how I'm changing other people's lives and then the money will come as a byproduct. Wow. I feel like a dick for interrupting them now. Okay. That was, that was really, no, that was, that was fine. <laughs> that was actually really like, I didn't expect that. <laughs> I didn't expect to be like, Hey, don't focus on money. Focus on helping people. <laughs> That's good though. I like that because when I did the marketing, I was so focused on making money that I made like very little money. 
yeah. yeah. But if you focus on like actually creating change in other people's lives, then it just it'll naturally come. I think. You said you. That's what I believe. Deleted all your social media. Mm-hmm. Why? Because social media is just a collection of opinions, I think. And in order to think clearly, I don't consider other people's opinions. I just like in order to have a clear mind on a daily basis. I think opinions, even sometimes my own opinion is irrelevant. Uh, It's something that is very talked about in stoicism is like try to view, try to view something without having an opinion about it. And it's way easier to solve the problem if there's no opinions involved. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think for me, it's just like social media was just very time consuming and it, it took up, uh, it was like, it was just a lot of opinions about other people's lives and it just made no sense for me to spend time looking at other people's lives all day. Yeah. When I could be building something in my own life. One thing that, um, I I've heard from books and stuff that I've read is, you know, instead of taking in everybody's opinion that you meet throughout the day, you should choose like one to five people in your life who you only take advice from. And when Mm -hmm. you need advice, you only consider theirs. Everyone else's opinion is noise. Do you have people in your life that you take opinions from or that you ask for advice or mentorship? Uh, for sure. Yeah. I, I wouldn't, I would say, um, mentorship for sure. Yeah. The, the CEO of choice center, we're very good friends. I wouldn't say very good friends, but whenever I'm in like a tough spot, like I can always count on her, uh, count on her to like help me work through it. Like she's very, we have a good relationship, um, as well as one of my friends, Jen, who I met through Choice Center. Is also Did I meet Jen? Jen Lucero. Is that the one we we had a Zoom call with? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, Jen, she yeah. was really cool. Yeah, yeah. I've been I've been good friends with her for like probably eight months now, and we talk like every week, and we just like kind of reflect on our week, and we, um, very like very solid, yeah, very solid friend, great friend to ask for advice everyone else's opinion is is noise not everyone's but just like as far as like people that like i see as like a mentor kind of like i've i've chosen very few well i read a lot of books like do you know ray dalio yes the investor yeah yeah so like i believe that you don't really have to know a person to like be a be mentored by them and i'm like obsessed with his book like i've read it multiple times and um i see him as a mentor for sure he's a very very smart guy that's sick i like that i feel like that's like like a big problem everyone's like oh you should find a mentor you should find a mentor but it's like there's plenty of books yeah, you just yeah go read. Like, i can't find a mentor like nobody wants to help me and it's like really just do that yeah, yeah. seriously i yeah. like that that's sick also okay so here's a question how do you how do you justify getting rid of social media because this is a personal thing. Mm-hmm. I go through cycles where I'm like, oh, social media is fucking sick. I love like reaching out to people and being able to like share my thoughts and also like hear other people's opinions. Mm-hmm. But then I also have phases like a couple of days ago where I was like, it was exactly that where I was like, I'm fucking sick of hearing like the input and the blast of everybody's thoughts where it's, don't get me wrong. It's great hearing other people's opinions and their like views on things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it was just a little overwhelming mm-hmm. where I was kind of like, you know, I need to focus on what I'm doing. And so I was trying to like isolate myself. Um, but how do you kind of 
do you always do you go through the same like cycles where you kind of have social media sometimes then you don't or do you always you're just like strictly nope no social media not for me what, what kind of guy are you so I, you ju- I just got snapchat again like four weeks ago i think okay i got it like two months ago and then I deleted it and then i got it again four weeks ago but that was just like to talk to like girls and stuff <laughs> <laughs> what's important um <laughs> <laughs> uh, but as far as social media goes i because okay here's the thing is like when i deleted it like my mind got so clear and i was able to like think so much clearly and be way more focused in my work and Mm -hmm. way more focused in every aspect of my life when i deleted it because there was no more like random chatter in my head Mm -hmm. it was just me and my thoughts and I feel like when I have social media for a long period of time, the thoughts in my mind aren't even my own anymore. And it's just like other people's opinions and like chatter in my head. So that's what I mean by like not listening to people's opinions is like, like I know that if I want to achieve something, I have to kind of shut everything out and just focus. Focus. Yeah. So like that's, yeah, that's kind of the thinking behind it. So second follow up question, what do you do when you go poop? What do you scroll? What do you scroll through? Do you check your emails? He reads magazines. Do you check, oh, well, I text magazine. people. That's some old oh, shit. I'm hey, a texter. Wait, you communicate? I communicate, yeah. Wow. And I FaceTime people while I poop, too. Really? Yeah. That You got to be close with somebody when you do that. Yeah. You can't just do that with anybody, you know? No, yeah, yeah. Says who? <laughs> <laughs> well, you mm-hmm. told me that you... Actually, this is about the time. I think maybe this was the day we ran the 15 miles. Mm-hmm. And you said that you had permanently deleted your Instagram mm-hmm. because you were... You, you used a very logical approach. You said you were getting nothing out of it. You were putting yeah. a lot into it, a mm-hmm. lot of time, a lot of emotion. Mm-hmm. And you were, you didn't see any outcome. There's no ROI. Exactly. No yeah. ROI. There's zero ROI. Uh, what's ROI, everyone? Return on investment. Oh, sweet. Yeah. How, how did you develop such a logical approach to, to looking at social media? I think because I wasted so much damn time on the on the fucking thing that I was just like, wow, where's my life going? There's no return from this. Like I'm spending like I would check my screen time and I had like five hours put into Instagram and I'm like, what the hell? And I'm like, what did I get out of that? Nothing. But I looked I guess at a lot of people's lives. Snapchat had a little bit of ROI for you. It does, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Snapchat has a big ROI. <laughs> so that's easily justified. I don't really check people's stories that much, but I, I, yeah. Snapchat's cool. I might delete it soon, though. Oh, you're back on it? What, Snapchat? Yeah. Yeah, I have it on my phone right now. But I'm I'm pondering deleting it. See, I like Snapchat. I don't think I've ever, like, deleted Snapchat, but there's been, like, times where I'll, like, delete Instagram for a couple months. But my thing that always gets me back on, like, back re-downloading the app is, like, oh, somebody said that they reached out to me on Instagram and I didn't respond or nobody really reaches out to me. Let's be honest. But what I'm trying to say is like, it's like, Oh, you know, I hope there's a message on Instagram and maybe there is somebody, or maybe I am expecting somebody to reach out to me. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I have to redownload the app because it's honestly, social media is a very good thing for Mm -hmm. connecting and doing that sort of stuff. It's a great tool. It's an amazing tool. No, absolutely. But if you, if I think it's an amazing, sorry to cut you off. No, 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 go. Oh yeah. It's, I think it's a great tool. If it's a part of your of your vision, mm-hmm. if you're like want to be an influencer, which is great. If you want to be an influencer, that's awesome. Definitely have social media, like have a ton of followers. Influence is power. I think having tons of followers is like 
very powerful. You can, you can do a lot. You can help a lot of people. You can make a lot of money with it. Mm -hmm. But for me, I just kind of want to run and build a business. So like, I don't need it. Hmm. That's yeah. That, that's one thing that that's, I like that <laughs> I've noticed with you is, you know, you have these, these rules for yourself and you follow this kind of strict thing, but you always tell me, do what you want. It, you know, this is what I want. I'm doing it for me. I don't necessarily mm -hmm. think that everyone else should be doing this. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it, you it's know, like taking responsibility for yeah. what you actually want to do. Yeah, just do whatever makes you happy. Like that's it. Oh, you see that people? That's how you make. That's, that's, you how, you, that's how you're happy. And it's just think what makes you happy, and then do that, and then that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Life is simple. <laughs> that's, funny. that's actually something that I've like. I brought up in conversation with um, with Vanessa actually. Is who's that? Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, we talked about it yesterday. <laughs> She's a hoot. Um, a what? <laughs> a hoot. She's a real What's a hoot? Uh, nice lady. Um, good friend of mine. And we talked about uh, how it's like everyone's always like chasing happiness. Mm. But it's like they do these things that they purposely know that's not making them happy, like go on social media and, and mm. um, they'll go and like they'll go to class nonstop every day. And it's like, it's like, well, if you hate going to like this, college is a great example of this. Yeah. If you fucking hate college, why are you in college? Exactly. Yeah. Some people, don't get me wrong, college is a good thing. If you see a better, it, I find happiness in going to college because I find yeah. happiness in what I can get from college. Exactly. Or if you're like, I'm literally here just because my parents want me to, don't go to fucking college. It's not making you happy. Go exactly. do something that makes you happy. And it, not only yeah. right now, but long term. And it's like, what is going to maximize your happiness and your joy long term? Exactly. So I don't know. I like that. Talking about People don't talk about happiness. that nowadays. Yeah, no. Um, one of Tim Ferriss's big questions is, uh, or I don't know, I'm not going to phrase it as a question, but it was like, um, pick something in your life and do the opposite and see how it works. The opposite for 48 hours, that whole thing? Yeah, opposite for 48 hours. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So one of the things I, I realized I was doing is in every moment in life, I was trying to maximize my own happiness. Mm -hmm. I would, you know, basically try to extract my own joy out of every situation. Mm. And I think when you try to take, you realize that it, it doesn't really work. Like I, I was constantly trying to um, find happiness. And so after reading that question, I kind of flipped it. And I said, well, what if I, I don't try to take happiness out of every situation, but instead I try to give happiness in every situation. And everyone I, I interact with for the next 48 hours, I'm going to try to make them the happiest they can be. Mm -hmm. And what I found is it's actually, you, there's a positive externality and you end up being happier by trying to make other people happy. Mm -hmm. So it, that kind of flip of mindset, instead of trying to extract happiness, mm -hmm. you try to give it. I thought that was a, something that was really interesting. Yeah. How, when did you learn about this? Uh, probably... A month or two ago. I mean, mm -hmm. I was just kind of experimenting with it. Did you like, Did I don't know, what are your results from it? Do you feel like it's actually working? Do you feel like there, there was a different time when you did something and it, it actually worked out or? Oh, yeah. I, I think it's, I think the most difficult part of it is reminding yourself to not be that selfish. that is your new philosophy. Okay, yeah. Because it's not necessarily natural for me to go around trying to make everyone else happy. I mean, there are certain people out there that, just do that naturally. Mm. For me, it wasn't. So it, if I find myself, I, I usually remind myself in moments where I'm doing the opposite, where I'm actually like pissing people off. And then I think, oh man, like you got to change that. Right. Mm. So it, it's constantly these mental reminders, but I, I think with enough, with enough practice and enough mental reminders, I think it could become instinct, mm -hmm. but I'm still in the process of uh, 
trying to make it more of a habit. Yeah, that's cool. That kind of reminds me of um, the Dale Carnegie book, the How to Win Friends friends and and Influence People. And influence people. Where it's like, it's like find what other people are passionate about, and like, I can't think of the word, but um, appeal. There we go. Appeal to their happiness and like, and what to what to what they want to do, and inadvertently, it's going to help you. It's it. You find somebody and see how you can make them money, and in return, you're going to make money too. Yeah. See how you make somebody else happy and you're going to be happy, you know? Exactly. Um, I don't know. That's, that's yeah, there's sick. a quote that says, I forgot who it's by, but it's like, help, uh, figure out a way to help other people get where they want to go and you'll have no issue uh, getting to where you want to go. Ooh, I like it just kind of happens. It just happens. By, like, it's a byproduct of helping other people. And I think that's interesting what you were talking about because the way I, th- I see things is like, I believe that like, I am the creator of everything in my life. Like I am like, in terms like the source of like what happens in my life so if i like take actions that make me happy then i'll like generate happiness for Mm -hmm. other people because like social media and stuff like that it's just like instant gratification it's more pleasure it's the same thing with like sex it's just pleasure it's not happiness like you're not going to be happy from having a ton of sex (laughs) like happiness for me happiness comes from um, overcoming obstacles and just like having a purpose that's greater than myself, mm-hmm. you know. I want to hear your perspective on reading books because mm-hmm. that's actually personally something that I've been trying to get into more. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the whole thing where it's like, it's like successful people read books. Yeah, I should probably be uh, reading books if I want to be <laughs> successful. Um, <laughs> we should do what successful people do so that we could become successful. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the way that I learned to kind of like read books efficiently is like you read it, you annotate it and that sort of stuff. But mm-hmm. I don't know what I want to hear your perspective and you as well. Cool. Cause I don't think I've ever heard yours either. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you guys choose to read books, interpret everything that you see and kind of live it out instead of just reading words? I don't know. What, sure. Evan, that's a great question. It's an awesome. Thank question. you. I actually prepared. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, there, there's, uh, there's an, the, like the beginning of, of the Daily Stoic. It talks about how it's way more important to understand what you're reading than to just read the book to read the book. Mm-hmm. And what I learned is like I'll read a very small amount every single day because I find it to be more valuable than reading like a lot in in like a short like if i read like a full book in a day i'm not gonna know everything yeah. in the i'm not even gonna it's just too that, much probably not even gonna put any of it into practice mm-hmm. but if i read like half a chapter or like maybe even one chapter every single day then it's like things begin to happen yeah quick yeah sick. and it's yeah. cool no that I've, I've been doing that exact thing where it's like um literally just a chapter uh yeah even that. less than a chapter like it doesn't have to be a full chapter yeah like, i always feel exactly like the same where it's like if i read something and i don't interpret like i don't understand it like after i'm doing it because i usually try to think about it for the rest of the day mm-hmm. um and in that other friend that we were or in the other book we were just talking about uh how to win friends and influence people it oh. says to like keep a book that you're trying to like in like uh, implement in your life like on your desk or in your backpack or something like that that way it's like you always have it to resort to mm-hmm. and you're you're never gonna like read something and be like Oh, I read it. I know it now for the rest of my life. I'm fucking perfect, you know. Um, I think it's super important to bite it off in little chunks like that, mm. and kind of reread the same things if you don't 
yeah. understand or interpret it or re- go back and, mm-hmm. and redo everything that you did for the entire book. That way you can kind of bite off little chunks of it. I, I'm repeating myself, but yeah. Well, the way I kind of think about reading is I, I think initially when I started reading, I would view each book I read as like a file. And if I wanted to think about a certain topic, I would go back to that file and access that book and think of what the contents of that book were mm-hmm. kind of restricted by the contents of that book. If mm-hmm. that, that might be a little abstract, but what I now try to do is instead of viewing my um, takeaways from a book, it's kind of like a file system. I view it more as a web okay. and every book kind of grows the web. So instead of viewing each book as its independent piece of knowledge, I try to connect it with everything else I believe in and everything else I've ever read. So I might know something that a book gave me, but I might not be able to tell you what book it came from. Mm-hmm. But the I, I think as I read more, the web grows. And kind of like, how, how do I choose a book? Um, in the, the last podcast, we talked about kind of, uh, well, I, I think I mentioned that I'm very focused on like wealth creation, kind of starting my career. So if I were to read a romance book, I, I would almost not even pay attention. I would mm-hmm. purely be reading the words and not really taking away anything. Um, the way I try to choose choose You're not my very books. Romantic or what? Like, are you trying to say something? N- not a top priority right now. Cole is not an appropriate choice <laughs> for you ladies out there. <laughs> but the way I I try to choose books is I I try to choose books that really supplement what my biggest thoughts are in life. And like I said, right now I'm very focused on building a career. So a lot of the and, and starting businesses and and leadership that's a big thing. I think at this age. Um, what I'm really trying to do is is develop leadership skills. So I'm reading mm-hmm. leadership books. I'm reading um, books on how to build great businesses, not necessarily big businesses, small yeah. giants. Um, it's a so great book. it's a great book. I haven't finished it, but yeah, it, it's, it's amazing. I haven't read it. Who's it by? Um, oh, uh, I I forgot. I actually looked up the name today. I forgot. I'm, I'm really bad with names. But what I will never do is read a book because I'm forcing myself to read it if I'm not interested. And like, for example, I, I, um, at, at the beginning of coronavirus, everyone was talking about investing. Investing was mm-hmm. kind of the hype because the stock market crashed. That's when you put all your money into it. And, um, so I started reading investment, investing books. Mm-hmm. And so I read probably like uh, 400 pages of a 600 page book. And I, I, I in my mind, I extracted everything that I wanted to get out of that book, and I just put it down. I had no interest in finishing it. Really? Because my mind changed. My, I said, I got everything I wanted out of the investment book. I'm not going to f- sit here and force myself to finish it when my mind has already kind of moved on from it. Mm-hmm. And now I've moved on to um, more so like how to how to kind of set up a business in a, in a unique way to make people want to work there. That's kind of where my mind is right now. Yeah. So I'm reading books on that. Um, so my mind kind of jumps around and I, I read books to supplement what I'm thinking about, but I will never sit down and force myself to read something I'm not interested in. And that's kind of why I was saying um, the book Tools of Tools of Titans, the first uh, third is about health. Mm-hmm. And when I read those right now, it's just not relevant to me. Mm-hmm. And I, I think at a future date it will be, but right now I just... Yeah. It, it's nothing really sticks. Yeah. I think that's kind of important to kind of note is that you can read something and it, it's a book. It's, it's somebody's perspective, no matter what type of book it is, autobiography, biography, all these different things. It's someone's perspective on what's going on. Even if it's a textbook, 
textbooks have been wrong in the past. In times change, evolution change. We don't know what the cause of the universe is. That changes every day. And just because it's in a book doesn't mean it's true. So the fact yeah. that you mentioned investing, it's like I did the same exact thing when um, the whole coronavirus thing hit. I was like, oh, I want to get into investing. I want to get more serious in my investing. And I actually, I started trading and then I was like, oh, I want to start reading on investing. Because um, I, I knew a little bit, but I didn't know too much. And it's funny because I was about to do exactly what you did, except what I thought was, why would I read on investing for coronavirus when there's no book on coronavirus investing? <laughs> you know, it's that investing, old school investing is kind of irrelevant during a crash in the market, mm -hmm. um, unless you read about crashes in the markets. And there's n never been a crash like this before. It's, it's very weird time for us right now. Um, so I, I don't know. I think that's kind of funny where everyone picks up a, a book, thinks they know everything about it, and it's not relevant. You got to pick and yeah. choose when things are relevant. And that's, it's almost like expanding your toolkit where you read a book, you put it in your toolkit, yes. you can draw from it later. I like that. Well, that's interesting because, you know, you say not every book you read is correct. And I think that's one of the misconceptions growing up is you, you go to school and they hand you textbooks and pretty much anything in the textbook is factual knowledge that yeah. you're supposed to know. It's like the ultimate truth. Exactly. Yeah. But you, it's like the Bible. It's like everyone's like, oh, like, <laughs> we're getting into religion here. Just because it's in a book, it's like the best thing. It's like, yeah. Yeah. It's like the truth. You know? This guy's an author, so he's 100% right. <laughs> exactly. You know? The reality is in, in the real world, you know, you meet a lot of people and I think most people you come across, you're going to disagree with certain uncertain things. Even mm -hmm. if you agree on a lot of things, I think there are some areas where you disagree. Mm -hmm. Well, books are just written by people. Yeah. So, you know, there's no way that you're going to, every single book you read, you're going to agree with. Mm -hmm. And actually Bill Gates says, you know, when he reads books, he, he writes in them and he disagrees with them and he agrees with certain parts and yeah. you kind of argue with a book yeah. and you challenge it. When, when I read, I challenge a book. I don't just accept it. I, yeah. I think, you know, is this true? I, I always ask, is this true? And then I figure out whether or not it's true. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, a book is actually oftentimes when I read, it sparks my mind in other areas. Mm -hmm. So I'll be reading a book about, you know, how to organize a business and then I'll get a business idea and I keep reading, mm -hmm. but my mind is almost in this state where I'm thinking about something else, but my, my eyes are reading the words, but I keep going because I like the way the words are kind of producing these, these opposite thoughts. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, sometimes I read just to get completely other ideas. It, it's like when, I, when I'm in the shower, I think really well. Mm -hmm. So I take like long showers, not because you know, I need to take a long shower, but it's because my mind is just so pure and, and the thoughts are so clear. When I read, it's kind of the same thing. Yeah. Sometimes I'm thinking about the book. Sometimes it's something completely irrelevant. So I don't know. Do you write those ideas down? I, I write all over my books. Okay. I, I write with a pen and a highlighter. I highlight quotes and I write my own notes. Mm -hmm. That That's funny that you mentioned like the Bill Gates thing because I actually do the same thing. Not on all my books. It, it depends on which one I'm, I'm like reading. But sometimes there was one. Um, it's called like the 21 Laws of Power or something like that. Mm. It's like a little tiny red book. Um, and... I would do the same exact thing where it's like you write something you're like oh this is sick like i would literally write like oh this is awesome i agree with this and then in some things i'd be like this is completely bogus like this is like completely wrong this is why it's wrong and i'm writing in the book and i gave my friend uh one of the books one time and he's like he's like like how could you believe in that book like um like just because it's in a book doesn't mean it's right and i was like bro you didn't read my notes did you and he's like oh no <laughs> it's yeah. like yeah you gotta like you gotta take a book just for what it is just because it's yeah. in a book doesn't mean that it's freaking 
the law of the land. I think you got to think about like, what is the purpose of a book? And I think the purpose of a book is to spark thinking Mm -hmm. and whether it sparks thinking about the book against the book about something else. I think you're still getting stuff out of the book. Um, If you're reading a book and you are looking at what what I do, this is when I put down a book. When I say, I'm going to read to this page, like let's say I read to page 100 and I'm on page 80 Mm -hmm. and every page I turn, I look at the page number and I go, fuck, I'm one page closer to 100. And then, uh, you know, I turn the page again, yeah. one page closer. And, and I'm more concerned about what page I'm on than the contents of the book. Mm-hmm. That's when I put the book down. That's mm-hmm. when I say, eh, you're not really that interested. Yeah. Um, but th- there are books where I, I sit down. I'm like, I'm going to read for 10 minutes. I end up reading an hour, not even notice an hour went by. Those are good books. Those are books yeah. that I keep reading. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I think you just got to think of kind of, yeah, kind of what Evan said about social media. What, what's your ROI on the book? If you're just reading it just to say you read it, then you should probably not read it. For sure. What is, because um, I want to hear you guys' perspective on this, what is the f- like best book that you've read? You could either say ever in the last couple of months. I've only read like three books in my life. Um, but I don't know. Personally, what is your guys' favorite book? For me, it, it like, could be an, any, gen, an, uh, any genre. <laughs> any gender. <laughs> any, any genre. Any gender yeah. book. Male or female. <laughs> or of the other. I'm Whatever the other one. <laughs> Whatever you believe in. <laughs> um, I think it kind of balances between what <laughs> Sorry. Just keep going man okay. <laughs> um i i would say i mean that's hard there's like three that i really like but if i were to say one that i would like if i couldn't read any other book mm-hmm. um it would be principles by ray dalio for sure real i'm going to write these down I need a it's just the in my mind it's the best book in the world. Like there, there's three different parts to the book. It's like his story, and then it's life principles, and then work principles. Okay. And life principle, I haven't really, I haven't really tapped into life or work principles, but life principles is very valuable. Like for me. Have you read any of uh, Tony Robbins? No, I've read any okay. of it. No, I haven't either. But I, I've heard a lot of people have had big takeaways from his books. Yeah, yeah, Tony Robbins is cool. For sure. But yeah, no, principles, like, I like it because it's just so, it's like life simplified kind of. And because mm-hmm. he's like, he has like 40 years of experience in, in business of building. A, I was going to say, you said he's an investor? Or an investment yeah. okay. portfolio firm, or it was Bridgewater Associates. Okay. Yes. And he, uh, it's just all the stuff that he's learned about decision making mm-hmm. in life and in, in work is. Uh, he basically put it all into a book. So it's 40 years of his experience in building a multi-billion dollar company put into a book. And I'm like, whoa, I can get something wow. out of this. That's sick, yeah. Like if if you see it like that, like that's what it is. Yeah, I, I, I like that. Yeah. I don't know, Cole, what about you? It's hard to say because <clears throat> kind of touching on what I said earlier, I, I read books based on what I'm focused on in that moment. You know, when I went into college, I was very focused on building relationships. So I read How to Win Friends and Inf- Influence People. And I think at the time, I would have said that that was my favorite book. Mm-hmm. And actually, that year, I met Steve Wozniak, oh, co-founder shit. of Apple. Yeah. And I had something. I, we were, I was waiting in line for him to, to autograph something. And I had a, a Mac computer. And I had that book mm-hmm. in my backpack. And I had him sign that book. I thought him signing the book would be more important than signing a Mac computer. Mm-hmm. So that's how important that book was to me at that time. Looking back... I think that book actually maybe caused more social anxiety to me 
than alleviating it. So really, I, yeah, expand. Um, you yeah, you have to expand on that. Expand on that because I think I I used to kind of I, I think like way back like high school I was very much myself in social situations and i think reading that book made me realize myself was kind of an asshole kind of rude maybe you you are i would barge into a conversation when i shouldn't have but i never had really like social anxiety i I always just was who i was when reading that book it made me really try to change myself it made me think like okay and and i saw all my flaws Mm -hmm. immediately and then every time i was in a a social situation, I was focused more on not making mistakes socially. Like I, I was trying to fix my flaws more than I was trying to be social. And it, I think my, um, I, oh, I, I don't want to say all my friendships became unnatural, but a, a lot of like, let's say I had a friend who I didn't know that well, but we would try to keep in touch. Uh-huh. Those types of relationships seemed pretty unnatural to me mm-hmm. because I was trying more to follow these these rules of how a friendship works rather than just having a friend. Yeah. If that makes sense. So looking back, um, I would say that book was not one of my top books, but in the moment I would have said it was. Mm -hmm. So now, I mean, now obviously my favorite book would change and I think it it would change more. I I think one book that really had a big impact on me was uh, waking up by Sam Harris. And that was when I was, um, I think getting into meditation and well, his whole thing is spirituality without religion. Like you can, um, I, I think, yeah, like I would say, I, I think I read that book freshman or sophomore year in college mm-hmm. when I was very overwhelmed with a lot of things kind of controlled by emotions, kind of same reason. I, I think my takeaways from that book were very similar to your takeaways from choice center, learning how to view emotions as something separate from yourself mm-hmm. and being able to, almost like deflect them when you want to deflect them or accept them when you want to accept them. If you feel anger, you realize that you are not the anger. Anger is just something that um, you are aware of almost, Mm -hmm. but you are not the anger and therefore you can um, not let it in. Mm -hmm. I I thought that was the biggest thing for me and, and fear and um, even happiness. And I I was able to almost like artificially let in more happiness than anger. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that was a huge book. But now yeah. that, you know, I, I read it and I have those takeaways, now I'm focused on other things. Now I would say yeah, um, Small Giants is a great book. It's probably my favorite book this month in my entire life. I don't know. Like I, yeah. I go through different phases. I view my, my life as or kind of my knowledge as one continuous thought. Mm-hmm. Every book I read contributes to that thought. But it sparks on to a new and it morphs and, it, and it sparks yeah. on yeah. Yeah. kind of almost like the – the word fractal that you taught me like (laughs) (laughs) that took so long to understand for you to understand you were like what the hell is fractal well evan goes everything is fractal (laughs) and i was like bro science what (laughs) everything your shirt is fractal (laughs) my shirt is cotton (laughs) knowledge is fractal i'm all right now i'm trying to think how is my shirt similar to knowledge but it it actually makes sense If, if you think of fractal this is how this is when it made sense try to explain it so see how much you learned it Picture a tree in your head. Picture a tree that starts with a uh, a single stub, or what would you call it? The base of a tree. That stump. Stump. Yeah. yeah. Stub. Okay. A stump. Jesus. Right. Starts with a stump, and then stump. as the tree gets taller, branches start to go off. 
And then as it gets taller, branches begin to grow off of those branches. Mm-hmm. And as it gets taller, the same kind of thing happens. And then so of those, work? there's a branch on a branch and then a branch grows on that branch. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the, the concept is that your life is kind of like a tree. Like you start um, with, I don't know, like, like view yourself like laying under a tree, looking up at the tree. And every branch of the tree and every branch on that branch of the tree is a possible path that your life could go. Yeah. Right? But if you look up straight up the tree, you can kind of see where the stump of the tree goes to the very top. Like you can see one clear path to the very top and then it almost is like every other branch goes off that. Mm-hmm. And those are – and if you think of um, kind of like uh, statistics – what's the term I'm thinking of? Like a Monte Carlo um, simulation. Basically like every possible branch is a possible situation in your life, but you want to get up that one stump. So mm-hmm. – Yeah, that's like another perspective. I don't know. I, I'm totally butchering this explanation. But, mm-hmm. but the idea is that – you want to eliminate all the other branches and focus on going up the branch that you want. Yeah, that's everything like, else is that's just like, noise. I that's thought like, fractals was like patterns. Mar- Markov chain. That's like perspective that's I too. I had um, like multiple perspectives of it when we were up at Palomar Mountain. <laughs> um, I had multiple perspectives, but um, the main one was like, think about the way that your brain is structured, like neurons in your brain. Neurons in your brain are fractal. They can infinitely spark to new different they can you can build new neurons in your brain by learning that's what learning is your yes. new neuron connects um that's fractal because it just it starts with one and it can be infinite like one branch could turn into millions of branches yo one branch is millions yo so like that's fractal i mean that's my perspective of fractal think about it like one tree starts as a tree it grows and then there's just all these thousands of different branches yeah that's that's what I mean by fractal. Oh, Where'd you, where were you introduced to the concept of a fractal? When I got good at Facebook ads. <laughs> Facebook ads are fractal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Because you take one, because it's like one campaign is like five ad sets. Five ad sets is like fifty ads. Ah, uh, fractals. Fractal. It, would you say that running fractals, is fractal? Bitch. <laughs> Oof. I don't know. Are fractals fractal? I think fractals are fractal. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know about running. Should be on a shirt. Fractals are fractal. Just fractal. fractal. One thing uh, <laughs> that I struggle with is I, the day before, I go to bed or I go to bed, mm-hmm. and that night I say I'm gonna run in the morning. Mm-hmm. I want to run two miles, whatever. And then I wake up, and I say fuck that. What do you, how do you get yourself to push through that and to actually go on that run? Um, that, I think that's a challenge for every single human being on this planet. It's just, you have to figure out a way to overcome it yourself. For me, I have like a vision. I have like affirmations and stuff that I go through every morning. So like the first thing I do is like 25 push ups, then I make my bed, then I read stoicism. Um, and then I go over my whole vision and I think after I remind myself of all my goals and stuff, then that little voice kind of shuts the fuck up. 
What's interesting because you said after. I like that. You're, that, you, shoy, that that voice shuts the fuck up. And I kind of yeah. just I like to call it the little bitch in my head. No, yeah, absolutely. Because it is. Every, we all have this little bitch in our head that like doesn't want us to it's do cool opinion. stuff. No, exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's yeah. it's a very aggressive way of saying that everyone has a like the voice in their head. And everyone listens to it. Yeah. And there's, it's almost like the two devils, where it's like yeah. one devil is on your shoulder, and it's like, or the, the the angel and the devil, like one devil, one person on your shoulder is a devil, and it's like, it's like, yo, you should sleep in. And then the other one's like an angel, and it's like, like no, don't sleep in, man. Like, get go chase it. your dreams, get after it, be yeah. hungry, you know. And I don't know, yeah. like people, it's a very brute way, a, a brute way of saying, like, don't be a bitch, like. Yeah. Do it like if you well, want to do something. Me. If you want to be happy, yeah. like go do it. You know, don't sleep in. Is that voice is not me? The voice is like something else that's trying to stop me. That's you're aware that there's it. a voice oh, there for I know okay. I'm not a little bitch, but there's this little bitch up in there in my <laughs> in my brain that tries to stop me from achieving my goal. Get goals. it out. <laughs> and I think the more that I like point it out, the easier it is to overcome. The more that I'm like aware of its existence, the easier it is to overcome. Yeah, that's how I see it. But if I forget that it exists, then it will overrule me. That's funny. The, the, That's the, see, the way I see it is exactly how I just said. Where it's like, it's like you're always gonna think that there's an easy way to do something, mm-hmm. and you're always gonna be, you're gonna wake up and you're gonna be like, ah, oh, just just sleep in a couple twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. But the, it's like the joy of me sleeping in another twenty minutes is not worth the joy of me that I could have had if I ran or went and worked out. I, I work out early. If I re- if I went and worked out, mm-hmm. because then I'm gonna you know. After you work out, then you're gonna have a great day. You know, you're in a good mood. You already had a hard time. You're gonna be tired for like five minutes of working out, but you know, yeah. you're good. You're chilling for the rest of the day. And you're also accomplishing goals and stuff, and you're on your path to running fifty miles a week or fifty miles at one time, you know? Yeah. I don't know. That's the way I see it. Cole? I'm always much more proud looking back on the day that I ran. Like it, you know, if I'm in a, a just a moment in the morning where I can either sleep in for an extra 20 minutes or go run for 20 minutes in the moment. I always just want to sleep. Mm-hmm. But if I run looking back on my day, I am so much more proud. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like you run for the, your future um, vision of yourself. Mm-hmm. That, that's how I think of it. Yeah. If yeah. you think like, if, I try to me, make my future self proud in a yeah. way. Yeah. And that, that's why I like to go over like my goals and stuff like as soon as possible in the morning, because it kind of puts me in the future and then once I'm in the future, I can kind of like look back on like, how am I going to feel in the end of this day if I sleep in right now or if I go back to bed, even if I'm mm-hmm. exhausted, like I'm going to feel like regret. Why would I want to feel regret? I don't want to feel regret. So I run. Mm-hmm. Do you think that if you have to remind yourself of a goal, it's a, it's a real goal? Absolutely no. not. No. I literally have, I write it down. Like I write my goals down a lot and like, I think I'm even going to like, like some of the most, I don't know if do you guys know Sabri Subi. No, he so he's built like a really really successful marketing agency in Australia. Like I think it's worth like ten million dollars. Does he have a YouTube channel? Years. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, this sounds familiar. Is the marketing agency called King Kong? Have you heard of it? Maybe. He's a beast. He's a full. He's a beast at marketing. No, but, I've never heard of it. He but, always wears um, a suit. No, he never wears a suit. He oh, wears like a t-shirt. I don't think of somebody else. He's bald. But please keep 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 going. Where was I going with this? Yeah, so he was talking about how he has recordings of his goals and he walks around and he listens to them like every hour of the day. And that's he's, always, he's always reminding himself of his goals. But see, to me, I goes. feel like that's not a true goal. Like when I, when I have a goal, it's almost like I can't stop thinking about the goal. Like 
this monkey pad, which I, I haven't even told, I want to kind of maybe end with the monkey pad, but <laughs> it's almost like it takes over my mind mm-hmm. and I can't stop thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And in high school, I really wanted to go to West Point, And I think I worked so hard for that because I literally couldn't stop thinking about West Point. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Like, I, well, I almost what, feel what like was if you have the, to remind yeah. yourself of a goal. Well, I I, I don't agree with that goal? because yeah, agree with that you lose you lose right. focus of goals. Um, okay. Like when you go to college, you're not thinking every day. Oh, I can't wait till I graduate. No, you're thinking of oh, I want to go to that party, or I want to go. I I, I want to study because I actually like this class, or I got to study because I don't want to fail this test. You're not yeah. thinking of the end goal every day. It that's kind of where I think you shine. Uh, I'm pointing at. Evan is the discipline and I'm not saying you don't have discipline Cole I'm saying um you have a different perspective of it is Evan focuses a lot on his discipline and you focus a lot on your dream where yeah that's a good point where you see it and you go you go I am feeling this passion for something right now I'm going to achieve it right now and Evan it sounds like he's saying I see uh, he has the dream too. I want to get to a certain point, but I know I'm not going to be, you know, you're not going to wake up and want to work out at 5 a.m. No, that's a good point. Shit sucks. Never will. You you have to to force yourself to go do that. You you do that by reaffirming with other people saying, hey, let's work out together. Hey, don't let me sleep in. Hey, call me if I forget to wake up. No, that makes sense. That's how you keep with that. I dream of starting a successful business but my goal is to run five miles at the end of the week. So yeah, I, I think maybe dreams and goals are not the same mm-hmm. and you can not want to run in the morning and have to remind yourself that you have to run to accomplish your goal. Yeah. That makes total sense. Don't let dreams be dreams. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the way I see it. Famous Shia LaBeouf. 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 Boofy. No, yeah, that was a great explanation. The way I see it is like there's so many like mental weeds that pop up, like so many distractions that could come. Mental weeds. Mm-hmm. Mental like that. weeds that you have to pluck on a, I pluck weeds on a weekly basis. Like there's weeds everywhere. What's an example of a, a weed? A shitty person that gets it that I allow Social in my media. life. Like like someone that like I don't want to say examples because if he hears it, he'd probably get fired. But um, <laughs> like if I allow a new person in my life uh-huh. and like I it ends up just not working, just being like friends and um, like that's a weed. Like people's people trying to get me, like random people trying to get me to do stuff with them that is not that important to me. Like yeah. always trying to go to the beach or like always trying to like go party or like like partying every every weekend. That's a weed. That's a huge weed. Mm-hmm. Like friends saying, "Oh, let's go to the club." No, that's a fucking weed. Fuck that. Um, <laughs> I like that. Um, um, Would you say that weed is a weed? <laughs> I don't know, man. Maybe, um, but. If I, I'm always like, if I'm one sec, if if I'm always like have Gabe, shut the fuck <laughs> up. If I always have like a written goal in mind, then um I will. It's easy to say this is my goal, and it's easy to separate the goal from all the weeds. And I'm saying if this uh, is my goal, then the weeds are kind of obvious, and I can just pluck them all real quick and move on. But if I don't have my goal in mind or written out then it's like it kind of gets mixed in with all the weeds and then you end up and then I end up with like shiny objects and I'm doing all this random shit. Mm-hmm. So it's like in order for me to be extremely focused, I have to like always remind myself of my goal. I think that's super 
important, and I actually like, I'm probably going to go back and write that down, is the fact that you called things weeds. Is like, mm. other people don't share your, your goals. Other people don't share your vision that you have, and that's what creates a true entrepreneur. That's what creates a true uh, significant person. That's, mm. that's what creates a true visionary, is having those visions and those depictions of where you want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard relaying that to people when they say, hey, let's go out. Friday night. Let's go out Thursday night. Hey, let's go out Tuesday night. And it's like, no, oh, bro. It's so I, hard. I've, got, I've got a freaking test tomorrow morning. They're like, oh, come on. Like, don't be a bitch. Like, come out yeah. for a couple minutes. Yeah. And so let me I'm ask not you a question. If you had a, a giant writing of your goals on your wall, would you? It, would it be easier to say no? I think yes for me. E- oh, like if yeah. you if you always had your goal rehearsed in your mind, if you walked around with a voice recording of your goal everywhere you went. Like, would it be easier to say, fuck off, I got shit to do? I, yes, I agree. That that would be super easy. I'm not necessarily, I, the way I'm like standoffish is I don't, I, I have goals and stuff, but they're not like, hey, I mm-hmm. want to accomplish this. Yeah. Those are, in my eyes, like to-do lists. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think that would like definitely help accomplish those goals. But what I was trying to say about mm-hmm. the whole weed thing um, was I like how, it's easy that you can depict other people that you're not interested in that. And, and yeah. I, I don't get easily persuaded. In fact, whenever my friends and stuff want to like go out, I'm usually like the last person that they have to convince. And it's yeah. like, it's like, Hey, let's come out. And I'm like, nah. And they're like, all right, come out. And I'm like, fine. Like I'll come out for a little bit. But, um, what I'll try to say is, is it's cool being able to like, no bro. Like, I don't want to do that. That's a weed. Like, and they're like, what? And it's like, you should literally be like, yeah. I'm not, I don't want to do that. The shit's lame. Like, I don't want to do that. I want to focus on something else. I like that being able to like, it's almost like pretty much telling people to fuck off, like. But in a nice way. But in a nice way, be like, "Hey, like that's a weed. I'm not interested in that." Yeah. And they're like, "Oh, like what? Yeah, yeah you, fuck off." Do you <laughs> think? And, and, and by the way, I'm not going to ask this because it's what I believe I'm more asking it as a discussion topic. But uh-huh. do you think that goals, having very specific goals, can prevent other opportunities in life that might have actually been better than your goal? Uh, for me, no, because I think it's very important to know what I want. Otherwise I'm going to end up in the weeds because if I don't have a clear vision or a clear end result of what I want, then like, for example, like running 50 miles, like the goal is to cross the finish line. The goal isn't even to get first or like get whatever. It's just to simply step over the finish line. If I don't, have that clear like if i were to write that goal out it would be cross the finish line of a 50 mile race so like all the ups and downs and like like almost failing and whatever along the way like that's all the different juicy stuff Mm -hmm. that happens along the way to achieving the goal for me um so I don't think it does because for me, because I think it's very important to be clear on what I want and how I want to contribute to the world and how I want to um, go about my life. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I think for me, it's some goals need to be clearly defined mm-hmm. and some goals can be more loosely defined. Mm-hmm. I think when it comes to my career, I actually try to hold on to my career goals a little more, a little bit more loosely because uh-huh. my personal opinion is that I think if you have a, a clear set goal and what you want in terms of business mm-hmm. or your job, you might actually ignore an opportunity that might be better. Mm-hmm. But if it's a clear goal for working out or um, 
your own personal development. Mm-hmm. Like my goal is to meditate every day or my goal is to run 50 miles or my goal is to read more books. Mm-hmm. Then it's, it, I almost don't see where a new opportunity could be better than that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, my, like the adaptability. And that, yeah. that's kind of the thing that there's a saying that I like is like, you can have anything you want, but you can't have everything you want mm-hmm. because we are only on this planet for a short period of time. And I think that's part of the discipline because it takes sacrifice to achieve goals. So like if you really want a specific goal, like you will have to sacrifice other opportunities that look good along the way to achieving the goal. And that's kind of like my thinking behind it. But I see what you're saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because for me, it's like I don't care how the goal gets achieved. Like it could get achieved a million ways. There's a million ways to achieve the goal. But all that matters is the end result of, of the goal that is, you know what I mean? So I want to pose an interesting question. And this doesn't have a right or wrong answer. But it's easy to pick a goal. Well, it's not necessarily easy. You pick a goal. That's your goal. Get to the goal. However, that's not how life is. Life is very changing. It's, it's you know... Very random. Adapt- very random. Very random. Um, yeah. And so one thing that I've been taught in uh, military training is being adaptable. That's what mm-hmm. nation's leaders are trained to do nowadays is be adaptable. They don't want people who are very fixed-minded. They want you to be adaptable and um, the mental ability to kind of switch around between not necessarily goals, but it, c- it could be goals. It could be missions. It could be anything that you think of. How do you guys decipher between sticking between a goal and and being adaptable to, and formulating a new goal. And again, this is no right answer to this. This is just, if you were doing something and you know that goal is here, how do you say, eh, I don't necessarily want to go over there anymore. I'd rather achieve this one. I When Cole, when you were graduating Berkeley and you said, I don't want to work a job. I want to go be... An entrepreneur i want to start my own business and then you said uh i'll go work at apple actually i like that what made you change that i i, I think not holding too like i said I, I hold my goals pretty loosely and if i see an amazing opportunity i'm going to take it and be willing to kind of pivot i have this vision of myself maybe 30 years down the line of who i want to be and where i want to be in life but i don't necessarily think that there's only one path that can get me there I like that. And yeah, I mean, I, I think that what I really try to do is not hold on to past opinions or beliefs. You know, when I was three years old, four years old, I really wanted to be a firefighter. Mm-hmm. Now imagine if I never let go of that, I'd probably be a firefighter right now. Mm-hmm. In high school, I wanted to be an army officer. Mm-hmm. In college, I wanted to be a hippie. <laughs> A hippie. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Berkeley does to you. And, and I think I, I, like I said, I just hold on to my, my goals in terms of my career very loosely. And if I see an opportunity, I try not to um, view how it fits into my goal. I try to visualize, visualize it as its own new path. Okay. Yeah. I so see. I think, yeah, I, that, that's the biggest thing. Okay. Instead of viewing things to see if they fit your goal, um, I just asked myself, you know, could this put me on a new path that I would enjoy? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the biggest thing. Like, I I just want to enjoy my life. That's all I want. That, that's my goal. My goal is to enjoy every day. Mm-hmm. And it, it I don't necessarily think that, like I said, there's one specific career or one opportunity that will 
um, allow me to achieve that goal of just enjoying every day. Mm-hmm. I, I think that this new job, I mean, so far it's made me very happy and I haven't even started working there. <laughs> so, so, so far I like it. Yeah. That's if there's awesome. a day, you know, four, four years down the line where mentally I'm suffering because of this job, then, mm-hmm. um, that's where you part ways. Yeah. Then, then I'll, I'll choose something that, that I like, but I, I really kind of just focus on, do I want to do this? Mm-hmm. And yeah. is it, and I try to almost ignore my past, my past beliefs, my right. past goals, my past opinions. And I just say like, is this something that interests me? Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. And that I think if you, if you constantly ask yourself these questions, like, um, you know, make decisions and then reflect on the decisions, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and if, if, you know, you reflect and, that sounds interesting to you, then do it. Yeah. It's yeah. almost like if you pick a goal and stick with a goal, there's two ways that you can, you know, come out of that. Either A, he's very focused and he achieves his goals, or B, he's stubborn and he never changes his mind. Exactly. This is very Okay, go ahead. Um yes, you're good. And the other way is if you, you know, change your goal, you're either wow, he's really adaptable and he knows what he wants. He, he he's adaptable. He figures out what he wants in life. He goes and then if it changes, you know, he, he makes do. Uh-huh. Or he flip flops. He's he he has no idea what he wants to do with his life. Uh-huh. He can't make decisions. He just goes back and forth. Um, I think that's two ways of looking at that, mm-hmm. and it's a super fine line between both of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Evan, what do you what do you think about that? This is very appropriate because two days ago in the Daily Stoic, I read I read a excerpt that was talking exactly about this it was saying there's three types of people in a grocery line there's a type of person that will stick pick one line and they will stay in the line even if it has like stops or whatever and it's like it takes forever to get there there's person there's a second person that will pick one line and then he'll switch lines and then he'll switch lines again and then he'll switch lines again because whichever one gets shorter, he's like, oh, I'm going to go to that line because it's shorter. And then he ends up in line for like the next hour because he's always switching. And then there's a the third person who picks a line and the line gets messed up. So he picks the other best option and then he sticks to that. Mm-hmm. And it was saying always be the third person because the first person just has shiny, shiny object syndrome or the first person is just stubborn. Mm-hmm. Second person, shiny object. The syndrome. second person is just shiny object syndrome, and the third person just is committed to getting to the freaking grocery. Yeah, paying for his damn groceries. That's cool. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I, I I think that's honestly one of like the bigger problems of like maybe today's society is like we're always told like what to do, and I won't say it's like because our parents are stubborn. I mean, I'm very fortunate with my parents, um, but it's almost like it, it's kind of like the thing where. Uh, I, I think it was a conversation with you where it's like, I don't want to live a traditional life. I don't want to go work for a company for 20 years and then retire. And then, and then I'll have the rest of my life to be free. I feel like that's a very, I wouldn't say stubborn way of looking at life because my parents definitely did that. They yeah. worked for the military for you know 20 years. They retired. Now they can do practically whatever they want. Um, but I don't necessarily want to live that type of life. No. And it's kind of like being adaptable. It's yeah. Sometimes you do work for a good company like that, or sometimes you don't. Sometimes you go do your own thing. Mm-hmm. You make do. Yeah. One thing that I, I think is really interesting is when we were in high school, um, our AP economics teacher, Mr. Kordick, yeah, told us, he said, 
this is the last time Drew. in your life. He's great. I love yeah, him. I know. He's I a, still have his surfboard. you know that? Do you really? I, I think I saw it today, yeah. Like, Aunt Drew, Aunt Mr. Cordick, if you are out there, pick up your surfboard. come pick up your surfboard. <laughs> That's so um, funny. And he said, this is the last time in your life where you could really do anything. Yeah. Senior year of high school. And every decision you make after this, you kind of narrow yourself. And I, I started thinking about that, that, that comment he made. And I think what I had always tried to do in high school is give myself a lot of options. Right. Like I was so focused on having options. I didn't want to limit myself. Mm -hmm. If I wanted to be an astronaut, I wanted the opportunity to be an astronaut. If I wanted to go to Harvard, I wanted the opportunity to go to Harvard. And I, I tried to leave every door open, mm -hmm. kind of like the, the person, the second person in your story, shiny object syndrome. I was attracted to everything. You don't want to do something that, that I never actually you. did anything. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So um, I think I, I realized this and then I, I realized, okay, you just have to commit to something. So I was like, all right, I'm going to do data science. So I, you kind of commit to something. Mm -hmm. And then I realized, wait, I don't want to be a data scientist. I want to do business and use data science as a tool in business. So then I made it one pivot. Now I, f I feel like that's kind of where I want to be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, if I were to give advice, if it means anything, you know, I agree with Evan. Don't, you know, everyone wants options and options are great, but at some point you kind of have to choose something. Mm -hmm. And while you're on that path, it's okay to get off to another path that looks more clear. But I think it's better to go from path to path mm -hmm. than from, a, a lot of options mm -hmm. and just not really ever committing to anything. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Well, here's an like alternative perspective and I'm not saying I agree with it or not, but it's almost like there's a Jack of all trades, decent at all, just about everything. Mm -hmm. um, not a master of anything. And then there's the person who knows their field very well. And I think the question that we're trying to answer is which one do you want to be? Mm -hmm. Do you want to be, and I'm not saying you have to be one or the and other, maybe I, there's something else. I think both are important too. No, absolutely. We definitely need people who, we need, I think the jack of all trades thing is kind of like the businessman, the entrepreneur, the CEO, somebody who kind of gets a good understanding of just exactly. about the whole pic, big picture of things. Mm -hmm. um, but they are absolutely nothing without the technical knowledge of somebody who knows their field. Yes. Think, think of Elon Musk. Elon Musk is an amazing uh, what is he? He has a like a a, a PhD in like physics and engineering and something and like, and like that. Economics, as yeah. Well. He's he's insane, and he is an amazing businessman, and everyone attributes him to being a genius because of SpaceX, Tesla, all these things, all these technologies, right? right. Elon Musk, although I, I can't shit on him because he's way smarter than me. Um, I'm just a nobody, and look at Elon Musk. But Elon Musk did not create all these technologies. He's not a genius in that realm. He does know the technologies. He's able However, to bring people together. He is a genius because he has a vision and he knows how to get people together to create that vision. Yes, he exactly. personally did not say, he's "Oh, the, we're going to mix these." He's the orchestrator. Together. Exactly. He's a master orchestrator. He's Same a jack Steve of Jobs. all trades. He's an orchestrator. Exactly. Well, he design. He does a lot of the design too. No, I know. He, I, I I saw this thing where he was designing. It was like a he put his hands up to a computer and he was able to rotate like a three D model, almost like a SolidWorks or a CAD rendering. And I was like, that is freaking badass. Yeah. He did not create the program. He had a vision of, hey, I want to be able to c control this this 3D print. Um, 
with my hands through a through a three dimensional realm. That's fucking badass. That's why that what you're touching on right now is why my favorite book is Principles by Ray Dalio because one of the biggest things he talks about is being able to synthesize information to create something. Really, wow. it's like this. That's it's a like, leader. It's like that's what Ray Dalio does too for his massive company. Yeah, he synthesized all the different pieces, and the pieces are actually the people in order to create the business that he wanted, the different people with different purposes. But those people are only specific pieces to his puzzle. Yeah. But it's his puzzle. Wow. It's kind of like the the military. You know, you have an army officer who, you know, doesn't necessarily go out and win the war, but they're able to assemble people to go out and win the war. The Um, word company came from the military. Really? Oh, you're right, huh? It did, didn't it? I mean, I heard that somewhere, but you're more military than I am, right? I mean... Gabe's the most. Gabe's in the military. <laughs> we all look at Gabe. I mean, because like military company, I mean, I military companies. Yeah. I don't know that, but yeah. well, each each like branch calls it something different. But in the army, a company is yeah, that's yeah. that's like a big unit of a collective. Exactly. You have yeah. Different platoons within each company. Each platoon can do a specific task. Exactly. The company itself is known for a task. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. A company. It's cool. That's sick. Do you know email was was for the military too? Email was a uh, military tool. Uh. Yeah, actually, you know, a lot of technology nowadays are attributed to military successes. Yeah. So uh, GPS in your phone, uh-huh. that was a military technology. Internet was a military technology. I think it was called Darknet or Blacknet or something like that. Or oh. um, before uh, the accelerometers in your phones, the fact that you can like turn your phone and your phone can know like the orientation. Uh-huh. That was so that the military wanted to use, I think, uh, like missiles and stuff. They wanted to use uh-huh. in missiles, all these different things wow. like. It, this is a political thing, but w- when people say like defund the military, like all these yeah. stuff, like we spend way too much on the military, they're creating uh, the new technologies that the, the military literally the is the, the reason why we have the luxuries that yeah. we have today. The yeah. internet, your phone knows what direction, what orientation it is, not only in your hands, but in fucking the universe, like oh, in, in the planet, technically. But it's crazy to think that all these things come from the military. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. That's that's cool. Yeah, and the fact that you guys know that, that's that's sick. Interesting. Yeah, it's called DARPA, by the way. If you guys ever want to look DARPA? it up, it's called DARPA. It's a uh, how do you spell that? D A R P A. I don't okay. know what it stands for, but it is pretty much like the research and development for uh, the military. So they get approved. They get an approved budget every year, and um, they could literally be like uh, somebody, some high general up in the chain of command says, uh, "We want to." We have this mission um, of um, trying to use something that's not necessarily like, I'm not saying I know a lot, but <laughs> uh, I, I don't want to re- reveal anything sure. um, by accident from like maybe a, a conversation before. But let's say they say, we want a way of holding lots of wine bottles since we're in a wine cellar. Mm-hmm. Um, what they do is they say, we have this goal. We want to hold a lot of wine bottles. We are willing to listen to the first 100 million companies or 10 million companies that research out or uh, uh, submit to us. We want to hear your guys' best methods uh, best methods oh. of holding wine bottles. So they go to the private sector? So they go to the private sector. So that's why you get companies like Northrop Grumman, Lockheed Martin, design uh, well, technologies. NASA and SpaceX. Exactly. The same exact thing is it's where those things come from. Even NASA and all these other companies, like I don't know if NASA does, but a, a, a lot of companies that you don't think about do, it's called uh, government contracting, military contracting. Yeah. Um, they submit these proposals. It's, it's usually multi-stage. So you submit a proposal of like, hey, this is our idea. I, we want to hold it by boxes. We want to hold it by, you know, 
fucking balloons. We want to hold it by people just sitting there holding bottles. And right. they submit it. The military, they go through each proposal and they um, be like, oh, we like this one. We like this one. We like this one. Then they move on to stage two. Stage two, you get funding for like a prototype or something like that. And okay. then after that, if you pass the prototype and they're like, hey, this is sick. It actually works. They'll give you even more funding, sometimes up to like millions of dollars and be like, all right, sick, produces 10. And then they test them and then they see who gets to win the contract. Yeah, that's cool. and so that's why that's we have everything that we have nowadays. How Not do you everything. find these these government proposals? Um, I don't know enough about them. Uh, I've got some friends that know a lot more about them, but you can literally go onto the DARPA website, and they post uh, literally just like things. Like um, it'll be like we're looking for a unmanned drone that can engage enemy jets, and now you know Northrop Grumman has an entire fleet of like unmanned aerial vehicles. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, it's, it's crazy to think things like that. Wow. That's cool. Um, Evan, one thing that I really wanted to ask you is, so I told Gabe, well, you don't know about monkey pad, do you? What the, the journal? You would know if you know the monkey journal. Pad. The yes. journal. Oh yeah. You told me about it. Yeah. I told you. Yeah. Did I call you FaceTime? Something like that. Yeah. Okay. So, that method that I taught you where you kind of do the thoughts and then you categorize your thoughts. Um, I'm making now a journal that kind of already has the pages laid out uh-huh. and then extra pages where you could take notes and I'm calling it the monkey pad. Uh-huh. And I was just wondering if maybe you could talk about how that influenced your life. We actually didn't talk about this before, so I don't know what you're going to say, but um, was that a help to you? Yeah, for sure. I uh, So you showed it to me. And before I was just like super, everything was super complicated. I haven't used any to-do list since, since my race, by the way, I've just been kind of living. Um, I haven't had a to-do list for the past week because I've just been recovering. But, um, since you showed me that I've been using it, it's been in my back pocket. Um, not like the whole time, but like I use it for a good amount of time. And I didn't really use it the way you showed me to use it. Yeah, that's what you said. You changed it a little bit. I kind of changed it to how I wanted it to be. And I kind of just like the way I used it was just like brain dump and then write down what I need to do, like objectives for the next day. Gotcha. And then I wrote the date and so I was you, like. Yeah, you said you did it day by day. Yeah, it was day by day for yeah, me. Yeah, that's interesting because yeah. I did. I always did week by week. Yeah, yeah. For me, I like to do day by day because I think like each day is just like its own thing. So I want to like keep that day and leave it in the past and then move on to the next day. Um, but no, it was valuable what what you showed me because before I was just like using my calendar and I would say like put a task and then have like two hour block in my calendar and it just didn't make sense in my mind. It like didn't register. I don't yeah. know why. No, that, that's kind of how I always had it too. I would have a, a calendar and I'd try to fit these tasks into the calendar, but they're different things. They're, they're not the same. Yeah. Because sometimes you could finish the task way sooner exactly. or way later. But exactly. then if you if you go out, but then that, in your calendar, you're not saying, do oh, it you're working from, on this for two more hours. From two p.m. to four, you're not gonna. It's not gonna be exact time block, you know. Exactly. So it's like I call this a hybrid notebook. It's something you keep in your back pocket. You still have your regular Google Calendar for meetings mm-hmm. and specific events that require um, specific time, but mm-hmm. th- this is not that. It, mm-hmm. and it, I think it's um, it's kind of a, a unique notebook in the sense that I've never really seen one like it. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of people who I've met that could really benefit from something like that. Yeah. That's cool. So I'll, yeah, I'll, no, it was good. I'll what, send you a monkey you pad. For once, sure. <laughs> once they're made. Free monkey pad. I, I think everyone who comes on the podcast, the Mind Over Monkey podcast, I'm going to give them a, a monkey pad. That'd be sick. Yeah. So because you guys were on it, 
I'll be sending you one once once they're made. For sure. I'd give you a shout out, but I don't have any social media. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. Well, thank you guys for being on the podcast. Evan, thanks for driving up today. Yeah, man. It was um, good. I'm glad that this was really cool. Yeah. Fun. I, I hope that, you know, it could reach people who could find it interesting. And, you know, obviously, if you guys ever want to, well, I think Gabe is now like kind of a co-host of this. So we're, we're going to see, in we're see how that works because in about a month or two, I'm going to be living up in San Francisco area. Gabe's going to be living in San Diego. So I don't know how we're going to make that work yet. But Evan, I thought this was a great conversation and we'd love to have you back on. For any, sure. Anytime yeah. you want. So for sure. Sounds good. Cool. Cool.